Welcome back to Disney Dependent. That's James McMillan. And I'm Sarah Chilcott. <laughs> it's a fun joke. Every week we do it. You didn't even do it right. No, I didn't. Well, what are you going to do, you know? I mean, what are you going to do? Hey. Truly. Let's just get let's just get it off our hot little chests. It's toasty here in Bartland. It's supposed to be 114 degrees tomorrow. For the next two days. Yeah. Oh, today too? Yeah. For, uh, tomorrow, for tomorrow. And Monday. Yeah. Well, either way, today is going to be well over 100. Yes. I mean, not cool. <laughs> that wasn't even intentional. I like that you just went in with the weather before we did the weather. Well, look, it's worth mentioning. It's it's outrageous. The forest fire season this year is going to suck. I know. I told you about old friend of mine that does that now mm-hmm. okay don't want to say names on air but you get yep it. yep yeah, yeah he'll be fighting them fires for us yeah he's got a mustache and everything yeah he's ready to rock yeah all right well let's let's do a round robin how's everyone doing sarah go uh do you really want to hear do you really want to hear me so uh yeah go ahead have fun yeah. with your update i'll be sitting here go ahead uh wednesday i woke up in excruciating pain thought i was dying then suddenly realized this is a kidney stone again i have not had one in 15 years but i had two of them a long time ago and remembered this this pain, odd familiar, familiar horror well let, hold on let's let's give some context we wake up wednesday morning because we had plans to go to the coast right because in Oregon, you refer to it as the coast, not the beach. Anyway, we went to the, we we're going to go to the coast, do some like Dynamite Goat Trading Co. t shirt picks, have a fun, sunny day at the coast. My first day of summer, yes, because my last day of work was Tuesday. Right. So Sarah's first day <laughs> off the job. I wake summer up. Summer break. Dying. I. With a, with a message to us like, I woke up in severe back pain. I'm going to the emergency room. And I'm room. fairly sure it's a kidney stone on my way to the emergency room. Yeah, yeah. And I'll let you take it from here. So yeah, I spent the whole day, and I mean the whole day, in the emergency room. Uh, running CAT scans and IVs with morphine. <laughs> let me tell you what. I feel pretty rad. I live on morphine. Yeah, man. That's dangerous. I'm really glad I don't have access to it. Because I, I can't function. At all? Why would you need to? You got you morphine. Don't need to it, I mean, it's really bad. I don't like Vicodin. Percocet you, makes me barf, but you like dude, morphine? Really? intravenous morphine. Really? <sighs> Sarah found her drug. Son of a Shoot. Anyway, it also makes you able to rest. Yeah. So I spent all day Wednesday sleeping in the ER, and then they finally got me a room, and I had surgery. Um, non-invasive because they don't have to actually there's no incision they go through your pp which i didn't know until earlier today when you told me that so they put in a stent so that they could drain my disgusting infectious pee out of me and because i had a severe kidney infection sure did because i have a five millimeter stone stuck in my ureter 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 Ureter. Ureter. I i never know how to say it Sure. The, the tube. The tube. The PP tube. The yeah. PP tube. That's not big enough for a five millimeter stone to get through. So, yeah, I have to wait until my antibiotics have run their course, and then I go back in, and they'll take out the stent and break up the stone with a laser. So, 
We love modern Fancy. medicine here. Because I would have no died a hundred years ago. Yeah, Sarah would have. She would have died in agony. Yeah, we were just talking about that. No wonder people died before they were forty. Yeah, and it's always like, what did they die of? And they have like a fun poetic yeah. term for it when yes. it was just like a million different things that could easily be prevented. Now. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's drain her blood for a bit. That'll fix it. Right. Right. Good God. Well, speaking of which, I think I currently have like nine holes in my arms from various IV and blood draws and all kinds of stuff. So this is a fun side note. I was talking to one of the guys that came in to steal my blood, the vampires, Mm -hmm. if you will. (laughs) And he said something about, I don't know why we were talking about it because I'm sick and morbid, but I said something about how when I had Hayden, when they pulled the IV out, it shot blood at the ceiling and like, freak the nurse out and she goes oh, I remember oh that's not good and josh <laughs> oh, and i just looked good. at each other like don't say that say yeah. that so i was telling this guy about it and he's Jeez. like oh yeah i've seen some pretty crazy stuff in my years doing this but my favorite one was this person who had had a whole bunch of different things done on one of their arms and they went to flush the iv and they flushed and it went through and shot out one of the other holes. Oh <laughs> my god! It like shot the clot out and the solution came flying out of oh one of the god. other holes in his Crazy. arm. Yeah. Yeah, I bet you see some nutty stuff working in the hospital. He's like, I mean, I knew that was technically possible, right? But I'd never even really considered it to really happen. Crazy. When my dad was getting his prostatectomy. Or, yeah, that's yeah, what it is. Yeah, that's right. Um, they I had all about that. Yeah, that, that was, was scary. That was fun. Yeah. He he had like a giant, like, um, I want to say not a softball, but like a baseball sized bruise. Uh, or no. Um, bubble. Yeah. In his arm. Because like it was, I don't know. It, something happened where the blood, the blood was just coming out and then they had to remove it. It's just. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. We should have a medical podcast. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Welcome back to Medical Dependent with Sarah Chilcott and James McMillan. Dr. James McMillan. Thank you. I was going to make that joke. Featuring Dr. Froelich McMillan. Well, let's be fair. If anyone is a doctor in this room, she's the closest to it because Sarah and I are complete idiots. People come to me for medical advice constantly. (laughs) You know what? If we're going to talk idiots, though, I'm second in line. You're, oh, yeah. you're the number one oh, idiot. I can't string together a sentence. Yeah, I'm <laughs> fucking moron. <laughs> I, oh yeah, no, no argument here. <laughs> got, at least I'm I'm intelligent enough to know that. You know, you got to be self-aware, right? Self-aware you, idiot. Yeah. If you don't know that, it's bad. Or is it? All right. Then you just don't know. You don't know. Ignorance is bliss, or something right. like that. Ah! This just in, it's currently 106 degrees and sunny at not Disneyland. What in the actual? It is 85 and sunny at Disneyland. Take that, Disney. Wait, no. Wait, we lose. Dang it. Yeah. All of our ACs are working overtime, and there's so many people who live here who don't have so AC. So many. Yeah, for you California never Florida gets folks. this hot. Yeah. No, 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 no. Very rare. Yeah, supposed to be 115 We're tomorrow. breaking records here. Yeah. All kinds of records. Our well, previous yeah. all-time high was 107. So today we're all, almost there. Out of any wow. month? Out of any time ever. I did not know Oh, that. I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought it was Hello, climate just change. June. 
Holy, that's scary. And never 114 and never in June. Wow. Yikes. Yeah. We were trying to stress to the listeners how crazy that is for this area. I mean, we get hot summers, but not, it's usually like 80s. Everyone's going to get up to 90s. Yeah, you'll see 100 very occasionally. Very occasionally. Yeah. And it's like for a And it's day. in like late August. Right. It's right. like dog days of right. summer. It's not even July. Dude, it's going to be a brutal summer. And again, the forest fires, which don't usually start to get really bad until the end of summer. Yeah. Like September, even early October. That's mm-hmm. what happened last year. Yeah. I mean, do you remember how awful and scary it was last year? It was really bad. 90 degrees out. Doomsday. Doomsday. Orange brown sky. Orange brown sky. You couldn't see across you the couldn't street. Couldn't breathe outside. Couldn't breathe. Just don't go outside. Yeah. Everyone had towels plugged into the little cracks of their door and the windowsill box fans box with fans that's right we all went to home depot and got those filters yeah in the like right was covid was just getting totally crazy again oh man that was oh, such a scary speaking time. of which those listening who live here on the west coast and have to regularly deal with it get your filters now because they're gonna be sold out yes so you know oh I that's think a it's, really what good is it, idea m something it's a high like the, the sheet or the... Shoot, I don't remember yeah. what it's called. Anyway. Look up the number Look it up. and get it. Yeah. It really Find helped, it. Though. Find it the right filter. Stick it to the back of a box fan yep. and consider yourself warned. Oh, yeah. Because you um, ain't going to be able to find them. We're living in Mad Max days. Yeah. Well, we jumped right from my trauma to the weather without talking about anything that's going on with you guys. What what are you up to? Uh, I mean, <laughs> lots of stateside management work developments yeah. things oh here's a fun that. thing that happened earlier so I'm, I'm doing something in the kitchen and i hear a noise and it's like is uh, there uh, yeah. is there water on somewhere just like a really faint sound of like maybe a sprinkler i'm hearing water but i water i don't have anything on yeah look over to the window and there is a geyser <laughs> blasting water at the front door and this no, i the, saw it this window yeah yeah it was blasting yeah. all over this window the studio full window. force of an entire i don't know hose hose and so the hose had broke the hose oh broke. no yeah and i had to go out and turn it off i mean that doesn't was... sound very impressive so but is that I the was hose drenched. though that's watering your garden it's one of the hoses yeah it's one of the seven and hoses. it, it yeah. burst it was a like old faithful. Well, that's what I, say. I don't think we should keep Not the so water faithful. on like that. The master yeah. water. Well, and that's really fun for people to listen to. Um, <laughs> me talking about water pressures and details. See what of happens <laughs> when you have one valve turned off. Let's do some long division now, guys. <laughs> Carry on the one. Yeah. I don't audio know how to... math. I don't how know how to do be? long division, guys. Oh. Oh, I don't know how. Oh. I don't oh, remember. No, 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 I no, could no. figure out very. Do you remember? Sm- no. Oh, thank God. She says this no. stuff, but I think she can. I could watch a thirty-second video on how to do it, and I could do it again. But I yeah. do not remember how to do it. Right. At well, all. I'm the, I'm the same way. I need that that refresher, and then I can go. I feel like maybe I could. No, I couldn't. There's no way. You could. You could probably do a smaller number, but I think if it got anything you know, with two digits in it, that's what I'm saying. I'm not going to be able to it's do it. Oh, God, no. It's over. No. Like no. like 3,016 divided by 42? Over. Nope. 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 We're, yeah, you're taking up a whole page. Uh, no, I would just <sighs> write 42 
plus 42 <laughs> plus 42 yeah. plus until 42. i got to 3016 <laughs> there you are and then take whatever the remainder was and there we go that Done. sounds about right yeah well this has been disney dependent mathematics for you this has been audio math um actually i do have one update <laughs> um so i said i'm doing a lot of stateside management stuff that uh, for people who don't know music management company that i i operate and own um uh, fun thing i think you i think you know this sarah but one of the one of the clients of mine is going to be mixing the original score to Disney's Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. And that is, they're doing like um, like production starting now, basically. And that's a live action? Live action. That's so cool. I know. I, know. It, I mean, this is the, the long con, the long game for me to get invited into Club 33. That's all and this And take is. us with you. Yeah. Thank you. For sure. Well, he, he's already said if, if we get premiere tickets to the movie... And there's any Disney anything, I'm going. Like, nice. he's not bringing his wife. <laughs> I, I come first. <laughs> he knows I'm a psychopath for Disney. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Okie dokie. On this week's episode of Disney Independent, this will come out on the 28th, which is the week before July 4th. Which, by the way, I'm an in- Independence Day baby. Born on July 4th. Who so. used to be terrified of fireworks. <laughs> oh, man. And then became a firefighter. <laughs> yeah. And now, and then when I was like a teenager, I was loved fireworks. Right. Blowing up porta potties. Homemade bombs. And, yeah. Not yeah. fireworks. Bombs. That's yeah. what they were. Mm-hmm. ATF style. <laughs> uh, yeah. So on this week's episode, we have a bit of a smorgasbord for you. We're going to cover the firehouse, the Disneyland firehouse off Main Street. Um, which is in parallel with a t-shirt design that we put out with Dynamite Goat Trading Co., our apparel brand for those who are new or don't know. And uh, there's a lot of history there. It kind of ties in with, you know, general patriotism of Disneyland and the parks and Walt's vision for um, bringing the love for America into the park. And fire departments in this country, uniquely in America, are pretty special and they have a long history in America. Um... America is a wild place, especially back in the day. It was ran by volunteer firefighters. And that's kind of the vibe of Disneyland Fire Department. It's a horse-drawn fire engine with volunteers. And so that was Walt's vision. You know, it it represents the town that he grew up in. Um, So that's that. So we'll cover the firehouse. Um, Firehouse 5 Plus 2, which is the, the Dixieland Jazz Band. We'll cover that. And that was started a long time ago and I think it went through the 70s is that right? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Okay, so we got some stuff to talk about that and then just general patriotism 4th of July how they handle the American flag at the park. I found a first-hand account basically article from the museum educator and content developer at the Walt Disney Family Museum mm. uh, article written by Lucas Seastrom called 1955, 4th of July at Disneyland. I thought this was really cool because it was the the trial run, basically, that Walt had for the park before it opened. Right. So... Because for those who don't know or need a reminder, the park opened July 17th, yes. 1955. So two weeks later, basically. Right. Okay, here we go. The penthouse club at Walt Disney Studios was a private, members-only club on the fourth and top floor of the animation building. The higher-paid artists and animators who could afford the membership fee could enjoy a restaurant, a gym, lounge, and other amenities. 
It was commonly known as the roof. And on July 4, 1955, members of the club, along with their wives and children, were invited to a special preview of Walt Disney's latest and most exciting new venture, Disneyland. Hmm. It was a foggy Monday morning when nearly 200 people made their way to Anaheim. Soon a breeze would clear the skies as Walt's new Magic Kingdom welcomed its first families through the gates. As historian Todd James Pierce points out, Walt specifically wanted to see how children would engage in his park, as until then its few visitors had mainly been adults. Though opening day was a mere weeks away, the park still had a long way to go towards readiness. Only the west side of the park was open to attendees, with <laughs> Fantasyland and Tomorrowland closed. Wow. Main Street USA was open to pedestrians, but the shops and businesses remained closed. The only access to the west side was via Adventureland, as the Frontierland Bridge was unfinished. As far as rides went, none of the attractions featuring mechanical ride systems were ready. <laughs> only the pack mules... Conestoga wagons <laughs> and stagecoaches were up and running. Oh, what a Pretty wild do. time! <laughs> Woo. Three, but, but you oh. got to keep. Sorry, to interrupt. You got to keep in mind there was no amusement parks whatsoever. Right. So, you know, going on a fairs. donkey ride yeah. would yeah. have been awesome. Right. <laughs> mule, James. Yeah, a sorry, mule, mule ride. Um, three now classic attractions were ready enough to welcome guests. The Mark Twain Riverboat, not yet officially christened. uh, steamed up the rivers of America. The Jungle Cruise boats were operational, still with their colored and striped canopies. The jungle itself was sparsely inhabited with mechanical critters, (laughs) though not yet the beloved elephants. And the shrubbery, the plant life was nothing. Non-existent. Yeah. Jeez. Probably the most exciting event of the day was the running of the locomotives of the Santa Fe and Disneyland Railroad. Walt Disney, along with animator and fellow railroad enthusiast Ward Kimball, had the honor of pulling the first passengers along Disneyland's yet-to-be-completed track. Ward and his family arrived that day, complete in costume, much to the amusement of the other attendees. Ward's profile sitting at the controls of a locomotive, complete with bowler cap and overalls, is unmistakable. (laughs) The Disneyland Railroad was one of the first operational attractions at Disneyland, Walt would use the railroad as a vantage point to view the construction process, or progress. In the park's early years, the two original locomotives, number one, C.K. Holiday, and number two, E.P. Ripley, took on passengers from only one station each, the Ripley at Main Street and the Holiday at Frontierland. This reflected each train's theming as the Ripley pulled more ornate yellow coach cars and the Holiday pulled stock cars and gondolas. Either station featured a siding of track where the one train could safely pass by the station as the other took on passengers. On July 4, with Walt and Ward at the helm of each train, the runs would have been similar to those Walt made on his park inspections. Ward engineered the Ripley leaving Main Street, USA, as Walt took the CK Holiday at Frontierland. The two engineers probably hadn't had so much fun since their trip to the Chicago Railroad Fair in 1948. As Ward himself would remember, Walt had seen the engines steam tested at the studio, but they were only run a few yards. Here they were ready, and he wanted to be there because he knew I had locomotives and I had a little say in what they looked like. We were like kids playing trains. Sorry, I have to jump in. Can you? I just love the idea of these two middle-aged men. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wealthy men, really, mm-hmm. that are just children. Choo-choo. Giddy. 
Yeah. Hee-hee. With their little conductor hats. Uh-huh. And their suits uh, with ties yes. and their cigarettes. I love it. Yeah. Yep. Captains of industry, uh-huh. right? Powerful men. Right. Like, this is what I'm going to do with my time and money. Yes. <laughs> Thank God they did. No kidding. So they're like kids playing trains. Legend says that even as the guests had left later in the day, Walt and Ward continued running the trains into the evening hours, (laughs) their own little Independence Day celebration. (laughs) As guests looked out from the train for a view of the park, they still would have had to use much of their imagination to fill in the color and detail. As Pierce comments, there would be absolutely no landscaping of any kind yet in Frontierland. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) The Frontierland station was there, unlandscaped. The, uh, the depot was modeled after Ward Kimball's Grizzly Flats depot used in So Dear to My Heart from 1948. It had a wooden deck out back, but there was no hardscape around it, i.e. no cement, no pathways. The park still looked like, a lot like a construction site. <laughs> and this is just weeks before the parked park opened yeah like two weeks three, yeah 13 days even, yeah 13 oh days oh my gosh <laughs> unreal the families in attendance on july 4 were all those of disney employees including many disney legends alan coates was just one of those lucky youngsters who made it to the park that day oh. his father claude coates had been a background painter and stylist at the walt disney studios since 1935 and had recently wow. started his first work for disneyland with mr toad's wild ride wait so how many people were allowed to go it was about 200 and mo- just total. kids of the workers and families and invite yeah. only mm-hmm. so not in, not even really soft opening just like yeah we'll turn some stuff on let's see mm-hmm. what kids think of this yeah. no kids have been here because clearly it's a construction site <laughs> <laughs> but on a hard no it's the 50s no one wore hard hats back no. then crazy so young alan alan coates mm-hmm. he was only 11 years old at the time and his younger brother accompanied their parents down to Anaheim from the family home in Burbank. Their mother had been an ink and paint artist at the studios. Coates would remember, it took a long time to get to Disneyland from the studio because the freeway wasn't finished. Yes. So we got off in Buena Park somewhere and wandered through the orange groves. It was a very rural experience. Unbelievable. (laughs) I, okay, picture Anaheim in your head. Yeah. Is anything about that rural to you? No. It's like the most urban spread yep. possible. Mm-hmm. Dude, surrounded by freeways. It's crazy, too, because it's really not that long ago. No. Yeah. I was just going to say that, and it kind of makes me like feel weird and anxious that that amount of time in the future from today, uh-huh. what's it going to look like then? Right. I don't know. We've been promised flying cars, and I still have yet to see them. Oh, I'm so angry at Steven Spielberg. I mean, kids are riding hoverboards. They just don't actually leave the ground. Yeah. They just look like they do a a little bit. It's a skateboard. Yeah, Yeah, it's just a skateboard. We're still on stupid wheels. Yeah. Come on. Come on, world. (laughs) That was supposed to be 2015, by the way. Yeah. Back to the future. Back to the future. 2015. 2015. I know. (laughs) Six years ago. We're already late. (laughs) All right, continue, Ash. Arriving at the park, Coates noticed a lot of construction left to be finished. Even as a kid, I thought, I don't see how they're going to get this opened in two weeks. <laughs> a little 11-year-old uh-huh. says this. He's like, hey, guys, guys. Uh, you, sure? you sure about this? Focus. There's dirt and a mule. Why are we having around. a party right now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only operational element on Main Street was the Main Street Cinema. I could look into Tomorrowland and the Clock of the World and the TWA rocket were erected in there, and Fantasyland was just totally boarded off. 
they wouldn't let us in through the castle. So most of the day was spent in Frontierland, which was very active, and in Adventureland. Aboard the Jungle Cruise, where in later years, Coates would be the skipper. So cute. Uh, known as Alligator Al. Oh my god. Love it. They were gifted with a special treat. It was so great because Walt got into our boat. He just got in to say, well, thank you for coming, and I hope you have a good time. Welcome to Disneyland. No. This was really exciting. Wait, you didn't do the voice. Yeah. Walt got into our boat to say, well, thank you for coming, and I hope you have a good time. Welcome to Disneyland. <laughs> thank you. Sorry, well, are you mad at me, or do you want to hug me? I can't Both. tell. <laughs> got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay. Are you let down, or do you feel hopeful? Both. Okay, got it. Why are you wearing a suit and tie? It's 90 out in Anaheim. Both. Both. <laughs> uh, Coates continues, but most of our day was spent in Frontierland, and it just seemed so huge, and it was dusty, and it was hot. And I felt like I was out in the Wild West. I was impressed. There were so many animals there. The other big event of the day, as I recall, was lunch. We crossed the railroad tracks between Adventureland and the Chicken Plantation House. (laughs) (laughs) I always just imagine chickens, like, growing out of the soil. Yes. The Chicken Plantation. (laughs) Down into what would become Holiday Land. And out there was a grassy field with a big tent. And it was filled with benches and tables serving all kinds of great things like, you know, hot dogs and barbecue and things you'd expect on the 4th of July. We had a wonderful time and stuffed ourselves with ice cream. (laughs) Even though Disneyland was not yet the jewel it would become, those in attendance recognized the grandeur of Walt's New Kingdom. As Coates would say, out there in Frontierland, it was so big and it felt that if somebody had just left me there, I don't know how I would have found my way back. It sounds so silly now. I oriented myself to the hub when we came in, but I couldn't see the castle out there. It just seemed so big. Within the two weeks, so much happened that it was just incredible. Walt was able to motivate these people to get it done, so everything was working on opening day. Kind of. Yeah, I mean, everything except, like, the cement. (laughs) Rather dusty still. Sorry, wait. The concrete? Which one is it? I always Uh, do it wrong. Cement is the stuff in concrete mix. Cement is part, is an ingredient. Okay, so think of it as like flour. I know and cake. I know, and okay. every single time I say it, I question myself. And the problem is, concrete is the hard thing. I know stuff. because it's concrete. I get that. Concrete is a as soon as I a blend of, of water aggregate I, and cement. And, I know. And Our dad's a building inspector. James's building inspector. Both are retired. Sorry. Yes, but like, I did it for nine years. Dad did it for thirty. I grew up with those samples. Yeah. Like in our garage. Cylinder, and I still Sarah. can't freaking remember. Yeah. I know. I, I think for a science, didn't you do a science project and dad, or was that my science project? I don't remember. I think I did one. Yeah. And yeah, I think, and it was like how concrete's actually made or something like that. No, it was like how different, I don't know, environmental things affect its setting, maybe. Like temperatures Aww. or... Hey, this has been a Disney-dependent concrete break. This is Concrete Corner. Concrete Corner. Brought to you by Concrete. <laughs> Back to you, Producer Ash. The 4th of July party is a special moment in Disneyland history. A last deep breath before the gates opened to the whole world. <sighs> God. That scare you? That's her last deep breath. 
And Walt chose to share this moment with those who had been closest to him for so many years before, those who had helped him realize his animation dreams and some of whom he'd take along for his new dream. 60 years later, the memory still burns strong for those who were there. A last word from Alan Coates. When we left, we walked past the firehouse, and Dad said, Up there, above the firehouse, that's Walt's apartment. And my brother and I said, Oh, wouldn't it be the greatest thing in the world to actually live at Disneyland? Mm. The end. Well done, Ash. (laughs) Thanks. I didn't write any of it. You read it. You read it good. You read it beautifully. Thank you. So, speaking of the first 4th of July at Disneyland, there was no fireworks show in that first year, actually, at all. Mm. In 1956, uh, Walt saw fireworks tests being done at the parking lot, uh, one of the Disneyland parking lots, while it was closed, and he said, okay, let's give it a try. Right. So, Mickey Aronson, who worked at the Disneyland Resort Entertainment... His name was Mickey? Uh Uh-huh. ...who worked there for more than 50 years, originally as an outside fireworks consultant... That's not a thing, but all right. He began shooting Disneyland fireworks in the summer of 1956. Wow. In those days, Aronson fired the show by hand. Here's the thing. Here, by hand. Hold on. we we, we got to acknowledge this. Every time I watch a fireworks show now at uh-huh. Disneyland or anywhere that's semi-professional, everyone, I mean, I'm sure you guys think this too, like, this seems rather reckless. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, oh, we're just blasting off a bunch of bombs over 2,000 people. We've been in the what center of the hub and felt the heat, oh, feel the heat. from the fire that was oh, being yeah. released. Uh-huh. It would take just one mistake and everyone dies. Yeah. That's now. Mm-hmm. Now put yourself back to the 50s where these good old boys are just yeah. lighting off bombs with zero precautions. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> yeah, th- so this this uh, crazy man, Mickey, is lighting off fireworks by hand. Sure. In 1956. Um, so he was touching off, off each of the fuses with a flare that he was holding. <laughs> Unreal. And then beginning in the 60s, the late 60s, they started developing a system to have them, the fires, uh, the fires, to have the shells fired electronically synchronized to a musical soundtrack. Right, right. In other words, the fireworks show back then probably sucked. Yes. It was like your, you know, 4th of July in, in the driveway yeah. show. It was I like, put on. you know, my stepdad lighting yeah. lighting fuses with his... Hey, I got some mortars from Washington. His, uh, Check this out. cigar that he's smoking. Right. <laughs> with, a, with a beer in another hand. I have something fun. I don't know if you already saw this one, but the, all the flying characters who've flown across the sky in Disneyland's firework displays over oh. the years. Oh, Aww. that's interesting. So Tinkerbell okay. first took flight in 1961. But she's had good company in subsequent spectaculars. Mary Poppins, Dumbo, and even Baby New Year, whatever the heck that is. <laughs> what is that? Have all soared through the air at Disneyland. And 2015 marked the first time a character has had the chance to swim in midair with Nemo's debut in Disneyland Forever. Uh, so is, are the, okay, so characters, not just humans playing characters. Is that what we're saying? I guess. Because there's also... They're not launching the mascots into the sky. I mean, they didn't launch a real fish. Well, because don't they also have the guy from um, the dock Zero? Is that his name? Zero from... The dock. Yeah. Yeah, he he goes across. Yeah. That's That's like a projection. Oh, I guess it is. Well, they actually... They have a thing. They also did um, the house from Up. Yes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really cool. Tight. Yeah. 
Um, do we have more firework facts, guys? Did you, Sarah? Well, that it? one thing, I, I can't find anything about Disneyland specific, but Walt Disney World, like, they will not release their numbers for how much the fireworks cost. <laughs> but um, according to DisneyDining.com, an educated guess says that it's about $18 million a year. Unreal. That Disney I mean, uses over 1 million fireworks annually. And they are said to be the largest user of fireworks in the United States. And I don't yeah. know if that means between the two parks sure. or if it's just Walt Disney World. Either way. Either way. I bet it's both. I bet it's just in one of the parks. I mean, they do it every, they are the most every and, darn night yeah. at Disneyland. Yeah. Like that that alone. T- what? Tens of thousands of dollars of fireworks every show? Yeah. It's insane. It's got to be. It's insane. And it's not like they hold back. I mean, so at points you're just like, it's still going. Yeah, oh right. still happening. Yes. It's every like end of a 4th of July professional fireworks show. You know, the, what do they call that? Finale. Mm-hmm. The finale, which is boom, boom, just going crazy. It's like that sustained the whole time. For several songs length. Yeah, with songs and synchronized things going. Yeah, it's it's quite impressive. All right. Any other firework facts? I don't have any more firework facts. Okay. That's it. I just had the one firework fact that I read verbatim. This Perfect. has been Firework Facts with Sarah. I guess I had two Firework Facts, kind of. Firework Fact Corner with Sarah. Let's, uh, actually... Well, oh. now that we recklessly lit a bunch of fireworks using flares in our hands mm-hmm. and have likely set something on fire, <laughs> who are we going to call? Ghostbusters! <laughs> no? James! Which is very cute because the Ghostbusters had a firehouse. Oh. It all comes back together. The really weird siren. <laughs> yeah. To like that 70s ambulance sound. You know, it's a real building in New York City. Cool. Okay. Um, anyway, move. <laughs> Let's talk about the firehouse. Just a few quick facts about the firehouse. Um, when you do research on the Main Street Firehouse, you pretty much just get info about Walt's apartment. So there's not a ton <laughs> that I found that was strictly about our beloved firehouse. Uh, but it is an opening day attraction, July 17, uh, 1955. It's a horse-drawn fire wagon that began operating on Main Street. Um it was a total replica of the turn-of-the-century fire vehicles. Guests were able to hop on and take a ride down Main Street. So cool. Horse-pulled friggin' wagon. There's some good so photos cute. of Walt Disney and gang on that, around that era. The two horses that pulled it originally were named Bess and Jess. Oh. And when you go in there, there's a stable and it has their names on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wagon was retired from operation in 1960 and has been just kind of kept in place inside the firehouse ever since. Which apparently, as we watched Adam the Woo's video, you're you allowed go to and, go in it. Yeah, you can go and sit in it. I didn't know that. No, I didn't either. Maybe he just did that though. I he bet did he just get banned did at one point. But like we were saying, everything at Disneyland's pretty thought out. They yeah. would put a "please don't touch, don't climb on" sign because yeah. mm-hmm. there's a chair right next to it, and a little table with like a. Whatever that's yeah. called. The, <laughs> the chair is bolted to the ground. Yes. So you know what I mean. But the doors open. The mm-hmm. the drawers. Do they really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh most of Main Street is loosely based on Marceline, Missouri, as we all know. However, the um firehouse was actually modeled after an old building in Fort Collins, Colorado that Imagineer Harper Goff. Oh. I didn't used know that. as a, a, a reference point. Cool. And here's a picture of 
uh, oh, wow. what it looks like. Oh, and you wow. can totally see the resemblance. Yep. Totally. Wow. The kind of skinny building. That's so cool. Yeah, it looks so much like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was supposedly Walt's favorite vehicle, the fire truck, the fire wagon, I guess you'd call it. Um, and legend has it that he used to drive it around before park opening. <laughs> of course he of did. Of course he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all know that there's a fire pole that once connected to Walt's apartment upstairs. Another mm-hmm. legend has it that kids tried to climb up it, and so they had to close it off. I don't actually know if that's true or not. There's a lot of people saying it's true. Right. Um, but back down in the main building structure, there's an old-fashioned wooden stove to help keep the place warm. There's a functioning little office area. There's a... Um, a really cool chart detailing how many injuries they've had. There's only, <laughs> I think there's like one. Right. It's a very safe place. Yeah. Uh, like I said, there's there's a harness room and then there's two empty stables for Bess and Jess. The, the whole entire place acts as like a time capsule to show what it was like in early, early 20th century, much like most of Main Street, but especially so there. Um, the firehouse had been watching over Main Street since the park's opening in 1955. Walt stood in the window of the upstairs apartment as the first guests arrived in Disneyland. Those lucky kids. No kidding. Since Walt's passing in 1966, we all know this, the front window has always been displayed with a glowing lamp to signal that Walt's spirit remains in the park. As the street continuously changes and the park evolves, the beautiful little building is a constant. Everything about the firehouse, from its horse-drawn engine to its shiny fire bell, represents Main Street Americana to the fullest. So good. Well done. It really does, too. Yeah. I mean, it, it, can you imagine Main Street without that at the, the helm as you come in? So perfect. Mm-hmm. Next to City Hall. Yeah, so while we're still on the building proper of the firehouse, let me pull up a little thing here. Um, this is just two minutes long, and I'll just play the audio into the phone because it's kind of cool. To celebrate leap year this week, but did you know Walt Disney himself used to pull all-nighters all the time inside the park? I believe it. He had a secret apartment, and KTLA's Dave Malkoff got inside to take a look. It's one attraction you'll probably miss at Disneyland, a small light in a window above the fire department on Main Street, USA. But go behind the scenes up an ordinary utility staircase, and there it is. Oh. Hi, welcome. Hi, Kevin. How are you? It's very nice to see you. Yeah, welcome to Walt's private apartment. It is currently not open to the public. This space was actually built before the park was open. Walt Disney stayed here on the nights. He didn't want to drive all the way back to the west side of L.A. He and his wife Lillian... You got the boonies. Right. We have the Regina music box right over here. And if we wound it up, it would actually play different songs. These are different tracks. Correct. Each one of these discs. This is ye old CD player. (laughs) By getting into the apartment, you can do the equivalent of looking through Walt Disney's iPod. And this is an Edison phonograph. We don't play it anymore, but we actually have about a dozen wax cylinders. It's a gorgeous piece of equipment. Wow, these are original. That's correct. This is the last hope from the Edison concert band. Found a copy of that very cylinder online. Now place some Mickey Mouse cartoons on top of it, and it seems to fit, right? Are these the exact ones that that Walt would listen to? Yes, he definitely liked band music. On parole march. This is actually the mattress. Um, you slept here. 
This was Walt's side. Uh -huh. uh, Lillian slept on the other, and we Wait, they slept on different sides. Separate beds. As it you was do. The style of the times. <laughs> um, I mean, if you look at some of the early TV shows, even I Love Lucy, the early in the early seasons, Lucy and Ricky slept in separate beds. Walt was also very private about this place. It's thought only a few photos exist of the family up here. So that's Walt, um, and that's Lily in the chair, and then these are their t uh, their two daughters, Sharon and Diane. And I believe that is Roy Miller, who is um, Diane, Diane Disney Miller's husband. But there's also a balcony. There is, in fact. It was a great place for him to be able to observe the crowds and even wave to them as they were coming, or, uh, coming in for the day or leaving at the end of the night. So people looked up here and they saw Walt Disney waving. Definitely, yep. You can imagine the tree was a lot smaller back in <laughs> 1955. Mm. The theme park industry didn't really exist before Disneyland. Um, and then Walt came in and made it the standard. And one more thing. The light in the window. This was actually Walt Disney's desk lamp letting park employees know he was here for the day. Since his death, it's been an everlasting flame letting everyone know that Walt Disney is still here in spirit. At Disneyland, Dave Malkoff, KTLA 5 News. Pretty fascinating. Pretty fascinating. Pretty cool, though, huh? That is really cool. God, what I cool. wouldn't give to go up there. I, I really wonder who is in charge of that light. Like, right. what if it goes out? Is it an actual flame? It can't be. It's not. There's no it's, way, a, right. it's a bulb. Right. But, but I still, think. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Why am I saying I know anything? Well, like we talked about last, I think it was last episode, where there's, what, there's like a group of six people, eight people. All they do is the umbrellas. Yeah. Fix the chairs tables. and tables. Three, Three people. Was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The elite squad. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's someone. Lamp guy. That, yeah. Lamp the guy. lamp guy. <laughs> Just the Walt apartment guy. Like, make sure it's forward-facing and the curtains look good. And Yeah. Man, that's so cool. <clears throat> like, one thing I noticed was the, the tiny appliances. Mm-hmm. Everything was so much smaller. I love it. I know, me too. I have to oh. say, I'm sorry, Lillian. I'm sure you're rolling over in your grave, but I hate Off the decor that she decor. chose. Oh, it's, it's really ugly. Red carpet. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah it's it's like adorable, but it's so like cheesy gaudy yeah it's like a burgundy explosion mm -hmm. fussy burgundy yes. explosion fussy <laughs> yes um and so i'll just kind of do like a recap there's there's a lot of information on the internet about walt disney's patriotism um towards america just you know in general like this article from uh, waltdisney.org goes on to say that uh walt's patriotism began at a young age when he began to admire President Abraham Lincoln. So, like, when he was in fifth grade, he had a, a tribute to Lincoln. And of course he, he did. Yeah, he did a whole, like, speech where he was dressed up like oh him. Oh, my God. What a nerd. Total nerd. <laughs> I want to give Total him a wet willy. Total nerd. I mean, that's, that's, that's what these guys are, right? Yeah. They're dreamers and nerds when they're kids, and then they become, you know, Facebook. Rich CEO. nerds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They become Elon Musk. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then, obviously... That same story became, you know, more than 50 years later, he's able to bring his childhood hero to life for the 1964-65 World's Fair in New York. And then that obviously began the Hall of Presidents at Disneyland, you know, the story. And that whole little area in itself, you know, the great moments with Lincoln, the, the museum where they have all the, the Capitol building history and all that stuff, that, that was always so important for Walt Disney. Yeah, so if you want to look at that article, waltdisney.org, and um, there's one other thing. Oh, so when he was really young, he wanted to join the military. This was during World War One. His brother, Roy, joined the Navy. 
and he Walt Disney was just a little bit too young and it broke yeah, his heart. He, he would have been like yeah, teenager. Mm-hmm. He was a teenager, exactly. And you got it it was a different country. World War One and World War Two, if you were a male of age, you joined. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't, you were a coward and you were just bummed and everyone hated you. <laughs> so he like really wanted to. He tried. He was just too young. Um but he did let's see. Um trying to figure this out. Okay, so following the setback, Walton Russell, his uh, neighborhood friend, found found out about a volunteer group that took younger recruits called the American Ambulance Corps, which was part of the Red Cross. And so he did that, he got in, and Walton Russell learned that the minimum age requirement was seventeen, although they were still sixteen, they both falsified their ages mm-hmm. upon the application. Jeez. And so then they got in, they went to Europe there's a picture of Walt Disney. Look at this picture of in 1919. God, he's a baby. <laughs> just a teenager volunteering his time. Like he just, he felt a call to duty. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So check out that article. Okay. Um, there's a good Disney parks blog article. It's um, take five patriotism at Disney parks. One, two, three, four, five. And there's time that president Obama visits, visit, Adds to Walt Disney World presidential history. Um, good speech from Obama at the park at Walt Disney World. Amazing. Um, yeah. And then so much stuff at Epcot. Like, we were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Liberty Tree at Magic Kingdom. That's really cool. Liberty Square. And then this I found pretty cool. The historic American flags at Frontierland at Disneyland Park. So, in honor of Independence Day, let's take a closer look at plaques mounted on to each flagpole. There's the John Cabot flag, the King's Colors flag, the Continental flag, the Pine Tree flag, the Grand Union flag, the Betsy Ross flag, that's the 13 stars and 13 stripes, the Star Spangled Banner, and the first Old Glory, 14 stars and 13 stripes. The reason I bring that up is because there are there's only one official American flag in the whole park. Right. And that's the main one in Main Street with the big flagpole. And that's where they do the ceremony. That one by flag requirement of federal law that you have to do certain things with the flag. And uh-huh. If there's a, a mass shooting or something, they'll put it at mat, half mass. But all the other ones, they don't have to because they're technically not American flags. Interesting. And it's very well planned because mm-hmm. they didn't want to have to deal with that. So all the American right. flag bunting in the 4th of July, the little ones that stick out on the uh, like lampposts and stuff yeah. all up and down Main Street. They're, they're just not official flags. They're like missing one star or something. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so that was a good way for them to, to do that. Um, and then just like if you really think about the park, you know, uh, Frontierland, that's like a whole... A whole thing about the early America, um, most of it I think is positive. Some of it maybe a little outdated. but It's a romantic view of American history. Yep, exactly. The best, the best aspects of it, basically. Yeah, I think so. The Main Street USA may be the most all-American destinations you can visit. But look really closely at the American flags throughout the Disney parks. They're all missing a stripe or a star, so they're not really American flags. Is it a mistake? Nope. Because... Because each flag is fake, Disney doesn't have to follow American flag regulations such as flying flags at half mass during certain situations or shining lights on them during the night. There is w- there is one real flag at the front of Main Street, like I said, and then one at um, Magic Kingdom. And the parks hold a flag retreat daily. 
So yeah, we'll, we'll revisit this for Veterans Day because I think that's going to be a fun thing to cover the, mm-hmm. the way that they honor veterans both active and in the past. And then just all the amount of cast members that were obviously to have served. I mean, Roy Disney fought in World War One. The Sherman, one of the Sherman brothers came back and almost lost his leg. Yep. I mean, a lot of that early staff, the animators and the people that started the company, all fought in battle, mm-hmm. either World War One or World War Two. So yeah, we'll we'll revisit that, but that's definitely worth mentioning. It's um, it's fun to put yourself from the perspective of someone visiting from Europe or Asia, and you go through Disneyland. It it should feel American. It, sh- it feels very American, you know, New Orleans Square, Frontierland. It's easy for us to just kind of overlook it because we grew up with that, but it is distinctly American. Um. And for that, I I appreciate it. That's how it was designed. Yep. Yep. One of the coolest things that came out of the firehouse on Main Street was the Dixieland Jazz Band, the Firehouse 5 plus 2, which was popular in the 1950s. And um, I have this article from Wikipedia. Thank you, Wikipedia. Uh, So the Firehouse 5 plus 2 consisted of members of the Disney Animation Department. Ward Kimball is the mm-hmm. leader. Uh, he was inspired to form this band after spending time with members of the Disney Animation and Sound Department and finding that they all had a lot in common as jazz aficionados. So lunchtime chats escalated into a full-on lunchtime jam session <laughs> as Kimball, an amateur trombonist, and animator Frank Thomas, oh Frank, a <laughs> pianist, would find that they sounded pretty good all by ourselves. So good. The band went by two names the Huggajidi 8 oh, wow. and the San Gabriel Valley Blue Blowers. That's too many words. Too, too many. many. The firehouse motif came from a 1916 American La France fire engine that Kimball restored for the local horseless carriage club. Right. And the plus two was from the fact that the band had seven people. Right. <laughs> firehouse 5 plus, plus two. Plus two. So cute. There's a lot of appearances like on... Uh, the Disney Channel back then, yeah, the Mickey the Mouse Club, Musketeers, mm-hmm. yeah, and they played at the parks too. We, yep. we recently found footage of them playing like 2012 or something yeah. like that. Obviously, not nearly not as the originals. Good. <laughs> right, yeah. right. The band was also formative in creating the Good Time Jazz label under fellow aficionado Lester Koenig, who managed all the band's releases from 1940s to the 1970s. Yeah, they recorded. Yep, there's a lot of albums. Mm-hmm. Walt Disney was approving of the band, letting them play at the company's Christmas parties at Disneyland and at other social functions on the single condition that they never fully leave their jobs at the studio. (laughs) Uh, Members include Ward Kimball, as I said, trombone. Mm -hmm. He'd also play the siren. (laughs) Sure. Tambourine, sound effects. Firehouse band. Uh, Harper Goff obviously played the banjo. Obviously. Uh, and was, obviously. And he was the looks of the band, guys. Right. Yeah, yeah he's the sex appeal. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, Frank Thomas, lead animator, played the piano, obviously. Uh, Erdman Penner, Ed Penner, soprano saxophone, bass Erdman? saxophone. Erdman. Okay. Like Birdman, but right. without the B and with an E instead. Old-timey names. He oh, he died in 1956. Oh, so he started with the saxophone, soprano, and bass, and then he switched to the tuba. Maybe that's why he died. Just kidding. <laughs> wow. <laughs> God. Lesson learned. Don't switch brass instruments. 
Monty Mountjoy played the drums. Yep. Clark Mallory played the clarinet. He was an animator for Superman and Aquaman cartoons in the 60s. And Danny Alguire, Alguire sure. played the cornet. Um, he was a fingerprint expert, formerly, formerly with the L.A. Police Department. Oh, wow. And he was an assistant director at Disney. Sweet. A lot of other people joined in eventually, but yeah. that was the main crew. Love it. Well, I think we covered a lot today. I think we did it. I'm pretty proud of it. Yeah, that was a very patriotic episode. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's 4th of July. Everyone have some fun. Last 4th of July was a little dicey for everyone, I'm sure. Uh, hopefully everyone got their vaccinations and you feel a little bit safer. Take take the time you need. No judgment here, but I'm going to go hog wild. <laughs> when I say hog wild, I'm going to drink a soda. A seltzer hot dog, water? A, probably a seltzer water. <laughs> yeah. Hold a sparkler? Yeah, I'll probably hold a couple sparklers even. <laughs> And it may or may not draw something with said sparkler on the ground. He, he will. He will. Okay. We have apparently one quick recommendation for the week. Uh, this has been a long episode, so we don't want to take any more of your valuable time. One quick recommendation. This is a movie that Ash and I watched last night, sort of spontaneously. Just kind of like, what do you want to watch? I don't know. We put this on. And it's very uh, matching with Fourth of July, Americana little bit of that old-fashioned patriotism for good old USA. And that is The Sandlot. Oh, yeah. Great, Man. great recommendation. The, the scene where they're playing ball in the Sandlot and oh, fireworks are going off. Beautiful. That perfect... <laughs> oh, well, wait a minute. Will not wait a minute. Will not wait a minute. Ray Charles just flips out. Such a great movie. So good. The, the block party, the cul-de-sac... Oh, I mean, it's just American suburban. Wendy Peppercorn. Yep. Perfection. Oiling and lotioning, lotioning and oiling. It's also a good summer movie. Yep. Because it takes place in the summer. It it really is a great movie. And those kind of movies, um, you know, patriotism and being proud of American is weird. I think for a lot of people, especially modern, it's not weird for me, but I understand why some people. It's weird for me. Yeah. Some people struggle with it. And I think it. If, as long as you can find the cultural part of it that's not weird for mm -hmm. you that's that's a stuff that like you should appreciate that was a that's a good childhood yeah you grew up really great well watching that movie even though it's supposed to be what is it like the 60s 62 okay yeah. i obviously was not alive in the 60s but that childhood is so nostalgic for me because that is how we grew up mm -hmm. we grew up playing games in fields oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. uh, you know front lawns front and lawn, block party yeah block there, parties with all the parents of and... dad and us all like on a bike parade oh yes that one where he's holding he led us in a bike parade every fourth of july he's riding the beach cruiser his you know aqua whatever that in is flip-flops in flip-flops <laughs> like a barbershop uh straw hat like a Dixieland hat, and he's holding a big a American full flag. Full-size full 1976 size. American flag. Hell yeah. <laughs> Let's go. I mean... Well, and I don't have an Animal Hero of the Week, but now I'm going to go ahead and say Hercules, the bull mastiff dog, oh, yeah. is my Animal Hero of the Week. Which gave Ashley an idea. A uh, shirt on down. Shirt idea. Mm. Too much about it. Mm. There's a little something there. <laughs> 
Alrighty, guys. We love you. Thanks for listening to the show. If you want to support the show, become a Patreon supporter, tell someone about the show, or go buy a t-shirt, Dynamite Goat Trading Co. We've got a lot of original fun stuff. And oh my gosh, we have some fun designs coming out. Soon. Soon. Real soon. Real soon. Check back often. Yeah, man. All right. Thanks for listening to another episode of Disney Dependent. See See you you real soon. soon. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Disney Dependent. And you can send us an email at DisneyDependent at gmail.com. This podcast is produced by Producer Ash. The logo is by Ryan Hatch, and you can find him at WR Hatch on Instagram. The music is by Ryan Knowles, and you can find him at Ryan Allen Knowles on Instagram. This show is mixed and edited by Deanna Chapman. You can find Deanna at Deanna underscore Chapman. And this has been a Team Dynamite Goat production. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the show, and we'll be back here next week.